Welcome to The Short-Term Show, the show about short-term rentals and long-term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short-term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl. Come party with me, Cashflow Carl at BPCon. I'm hosting the Short-Term Rental Workshop. You can sign up for this when you sign up for BPCon. You can do that at biggerpockets.com slash events. This is October 15th, October 15th through the 17th for the event. I am speaking at two different presentations. But uh, what you're looking to sign up for is the Short-Term Rental Workshop. Hosted by yours truly, Cashflow Carl, the Reverend of Real Estate, and Avery Carl. So, the Short Term Rental Workshop, BPCon 2023, October 15th. Sign up before it sells out. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Short Term Show. Today, we're going a little bit off. Uh, off of our usual short-term rental topic here, but still in the real estate investing world. But I know a lot of you have interest in mobile home park investing. So we have a great guest on today, Charlotte Dunford from Johns Creek Capital. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about mobile home park investing. How's it going, Charlotte? Going pretty well. How about yourself? Doing great. Just living the dream. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you became, you know, got interested in investing in real estate and eventually mobile home parks? Right. So my name is Charlotte Dunford. I, long time short, a long story short, um, I grew up until I was 16 years old in China. And then I moved to the United States for high school by myself without my parents uh, in Pennsylvania. Then I uh, went to Georgia Institute of Technology here in uh, in the South. We call it the MIT in the South, but we we also like to call MIT the Georgia Tech in the North. Um, so uh, graduated, took my first job as a business analyst, and immediately I started uh, investing in real estate on the side using my salary to finance it. Um, I realized very early on, especially coming from uh, a communist state where I grew up and owning property was simply impossible. You actually, nobody owned homes. Everybody leased it from the government for 70 years. So because of that, that really got me interested in actually owning a property uh, because that's something that was so restricted where I came from. So immediately starting buying a uh, real estate, the first deal I got was a single family home in the South of Atlanta, using my salary as a business analyst, uh, fresh out of college to finance for it. And then I got into, you know, I listened to podcast just like yourselves um, on my commute uh, to work back and forth about three hours and multiply that by five days. That's 15 hours per week just on commute. That's like a part-time job. So I decided to make something out of it. So I learned and learned and learned and decided that, you know, we need economy of scale. So single family homes, you know, we need more than that. So I wanted to scale up my portfolio, um, just like a lot of you guys listening wanting to do. So I um, the second one I got was a duplex up in North Georgia using my salary, but the salary as a newly grad from uh, from college, um, as good as Georgia Tech could only uh, take you uh, so far. So I decided to make a jump, take a risk when I was uh, 24. Um, I quit my full-time corporate job and started my own company, uh, John Street Capital, along with my partner who has um, over 40 years of business experience and real estate and fund experience, um, started John Street Capital. 
So how I got into mobile home parks was I originally wanted to get into multifamily. That was the most, uh, you know, uh, heated thing at the time is still today. And everybody, you know, has a book, everybody, you know, have heard of a bootcamp or course to get into multifamily to change your life forever, right? That kind of courses. But um, I, it was just almost impossible for someone who was 24 years old, who did not have um, experiences in multifamily, and the brokers wouldn't even talk to you. So I then I stumbled upon not stumbled upon, but I, I did my research and found this little blue ocean niche called mobile home parks. Um, that was not very competitive, that a lot of people have ignored. Everybody wanted to chase out the brighter, shinier things. But I am a firm believer in blue ocean strategy, where not a lot of competition exists yet. And this, the, the niche has, was not saturated and still not saturated. So I got into it and got my first deal. Um, one of the first deals, uh, seller financing with 30% down, 3% interest rate, 30-year amortization, and 10-year balloon. I mean, that's just like free money nowadays, 3% interest rate for that long. So, um, so one thing led to another, and um, we attracted more investor interest um, because the port- portfolio was growing. We're kind of making a name for ourselves in the industry. Uh, now we own over um, 28 uh, mobile home parks. Um, across the United States. Um, and I think this asset class, the simplest way to summarize it is, is a parking lot business. This, the, the closest asset class to mobile home parks uh, will be a parking lot. So the homes park in your parking lot, mobile home park, um, and then pay you a lot. So you're not responsible for anything that's going on inside of the mobile home. You know, mobile homes are considered actually personal properties, like a car. They actually get their title from DNV. So um, that's the attractiveness of this niche is that it's not saturated. Um, the big institutional funds uh, are not going after it as, as much. And there's still a lot of mom and pop owners where you can get great deals from. And it's like a parking lot. Yeah, that's, I think that's uh, the, actually the, the really cool part about it is that you can structure it to where at some point, maybe when you're buying initially, you may own the actual mobile homes as well, but you can structure the rental as such that the people who are living there are kind of renting to own so that eventually you don't have to worry about actually maintaining those. That's their responsibility also. Do you guys do do that kind of thing with it or just stick with that- yeah, that's certainly an arrangement that's very popular uh, once you take over. Uh, we prefer that it starts off as a tenant-owned homes, uh, which means the tenant owns the home to, to start with. Because with the park-owned homes, uh, you know, if the park-owned home tenant is not the ideal tenant, openly, often they're not. So you would have to go through the eviction process. You have to put someone new in. You have a rental that's vacant, and you can just sell it to someone. You know, even more attractive because the homes sometimes are so old. You are you actually want to give it to someone and just for exchange for a lot rent. That's actually more attractive. So I think oh, really? yeah, you're you're 100 correct. Yeah. So the homes aren't worth much, a few thousand dollars at most. So you sell it to someone. So the the number one thing that boosts the morale within a mobile home park, which in turn boosts the performance, is pride of ownership. So this is the American dream of owning a home, a quality home that they can call home, really. So you don't want a bunch of people, you know, renting uh, your, 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 your homes who have no pride of ownership, who trash your park and make life miserable for other residents. Think of it as an HOA, right? Usually HOAs have rules as far as how many 
rental tenants can be there. Same with apartment buildings, right? They have rules. HOA has rules as far as you know, uh, 30, 20 percent has to be uh, has to be uh, sorry, 80 percent has to be owners. So same with mobile home park, we prefer uh, 80 percent and above all tenant owned homes. There are a few park owned homes. That's OK. We'll transition away from that. Exactly. Like you said, through the arrangement that you just mentioned, kind of like a rent credit program is pretty similar to the rent to own. Uh, actually, is a pro- pretty popular practice um, when it comes to mobile home parks, park owned homes. So let's say you're brand new to this, like you were at one point, and you're like, you know what, I've, I think my portfolio is in such a way right now that I want to try a new asset class. Let's try mobile home parks. What would a new investor be looking for in terms of uh, what a good deal looks like? Uh, are there any, any rules of thumb or just best practices in terms of how many pads it really needs to have in order to be not necessarily lucrative because that's going to be a a deal by deal basis. But I see lots of little deals come across my desk and it's like a six unit mobile home park or, you know, a 100 unit or pad mobile home park. So is there any benefit or I guess best practice in terms of size of park that you would be looking for? So the niche we're in at Johns Creek Capital, we're after the relatively small to medium-sized parks. So the bigger ones, um, they're chased after by institutional buyers. Um, usually their cap rates are pretty low to start with, um, may, which makes the exit a return a little bit lower. But they do have the stability um, because, you know, they are buying a really fancy mobile home park, probably a 1% to 2% cap rate, and you're not getting much of a return. Um, but you have the stability because everything is fancy and nice and neat. But for a smaller park, and you know, we're in the value add business, which we, you know, uh, improve the parks, um, you know, add new units in there, infilling, doing cosmetic upgrades, the road work, and um, and they're raising lot rent because lot rents are incredibly slow to start, uh, low to start with. Um, we do uh, all of the value add strategies in order to bring up NOI, thus the value of the park. So as far as the size, the niche we're in are usually under 50 units and it's really deal by deal, but usually under 15 units. And that's why we're kind of in the niche, uh, still blue ocean. We're kind of dominating this, this niche uh, as a company because uh, we it's totally a different animal uh, from the, the bigger parks or even 300 lots or a thousand lots. I know, I mean, I have my friends with owners who, um, who have thousands of lots and it's like a small city, a subdivision. So there are all kinds of parks out there. Uh, I would say from a uh, returns perspective, uh, if you want kind of a moderate return, you have a pretty good risk tolerance. Um, but moderate risk is calculated risk. Um, you definitely want something, um, you know, what we offer is is kind of a moderate risk, but definitely higher returns uh, upon exit. One example would be, um, a park that we sold last year, we completed full cycle for, it's actually a very small park, 17 lots in Iowa. Um, we bought it uh, in 2020 and sold it 22, 22 months later. On a project level, the internal rate of return was, 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 was 20, 25%. Wow, that's amazing. So would you say there's any type of location that works better. So I see a lot of those deals come across my desk that are in very, very rural rural areas. So is it better to stay maybe within a certain distance of uh, metro areas or 
Uh, do you prefer to be out in like a rural area where there's probably not a lot of rentals to begin with? So you might be one of the only options for um, long-term renters. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think what we're looking for is we, we don't want to go in, in a place that's extremely rural, that there's really nothing there. That also indicates the market is depressed, right? Because if there's no rentals to begin with, that means other businesses don't find it attractive. That means there's no demand. So we want a place that is closer to a metro. Uh, we don't want something in the middle of nowhere. Those mobile home parks are just going to die eventually, very sadly. But that's just what's going to happen because there's no economy there. What we want to see is a mobile home park that is close to or part of a metro, it doesn't have to be in the, right in the middle of the metro. You can be in the you know vicinity of the metro. The metro needs to have at least one hundred thousand people in population, if not way more. So that's okay. the, the golden rule that we found. Also, look at the housing prices in town, right? So in that city or county, look at the housing prices. Um, mobile home park is an affordable housing industry. It's an affordable housing option. So. People go there because it's less expensive, right? So, so in uh, you have to compare other housing options in the city, in town, um, versus what you're offering as a mobile home park owner. If your lot rent is five hundred dollars, which is not really happening across the country, it's about three hundred dollars. So, if your lot rent is three hundred dollars and all the other apartment buildings around you are are charging four hundred, then you're out of business. So, you're not really that much more affordable. Um, than the apartment building. So nobody would want to go to a mobile home park unless, you know, it's a lot more affordable. So remember the industry we're in is the affordable housing business. So you really want to see the difference about three to $500. You know, if the apartment around you are charging eight to $900 for rent and your lot rent is only 300, then you got a competitive match. This episode of the short-term show has been brought to you by your friendly short-term shop real estate agent. We are hyper-local and totally dedicated to your success. Whether you want to buy your next short-term rental or sell the one you currently own, we would be honored to earn your business. We are in all of the best vacation markets in America. Find us at theshorttermshop.com. That's theshorttermshop.com. Brokered by eXp. This episode of The Short-Term Show is brought to you by The Short-Term Shop. 30-year fixed mortgages, tax benefits, and long-distance management training made easy are just a few of the perks of owning a short-term rental. The Short-Term Shop can help you buy and learn how to manage your property from anywhere in the world. Just go to theshorttermshop.com and click Get Connected. Again, that's theshorttermshop.com, and we are brokered by eXp. See y'all over there. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense that you wouldn't necessarily want to be in competition with a lot of apartment buildings for obvious reasons. Okay. That's right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about adding value because I think that's something that across all asset classes now you kind of have to do. There's not just great deals laying around. You have to find the deals that you can add the most value to, to get those numbers to where you want them to be. So how does one, if we don't have like a house where we can renovate the kitchen or renovate the bathrooms, how do you add value to a mobile home park? So a mobile home park is you own the neighborhood, right? So you are in charge of anything that's outside of their homes, right? So I I would not recommend any anything like a clubhouse or a swimming pool. That's not for mobile home parks. The best kind of mobile home parks are usually um, pretty, the, the land doesn't have a lot of trees on it. So it's, it doesn't have that kind of hazard. And the kind of value add you would do 
is really for the neighborhood, for the curb appeal, we call it, right? So um, good examples include adding a new sign to the park, right? What is your mobile home park called, right? So if it is called, you know, country feeling mobile home park, I don't know, I'm just making things up. So you can just add a new sign that has a really good, attractive signage. You know, they're really cheap to do. Um, add a new sign, put in front of the park, put the property management's phone number on it so people can see, wow, there's a, a neat neighborhood tucked away here, or there's a neat neighborhood. And actually, they want to call you up and see the, if they could live in your neighborhood. That's the best kind of infilling. doesn't cost money on your part that much to do, but it increases significantly the NOI, which is your property value, right? So doing business is all about, you know, making the biggest impact with the smallest amount of money possible. So adding a signage, you know, is, is automatic marketing, is automatic curb appeal boost. Great idea. Also adding white fences give it a more of a feeling of a neighborhood, right? So white fences give it a country view, neighborhood feel, and also boost pride of ownership, boost morale within the park, boost longevity of the tenants, not their age, but stability of the tenants. Um, so that that's a great idea too. And another more of kind of a heavy value add can be a little bit more expensive, but very, very effective uh, would be infilling. Infilling indicates infilling one of the vacant lots that has utility set up. So what you need to do, there are two ways to do it. One way we prefer much more than the other is um, to have attract tenants advertise the law, saying that you have lots for rent and you have a great community here. Just like an HOA, uh, you have lots available and you want homeowners to buy a home, maybe new construction on that lot. So that way, most of the costs lay on the tenant's shoulders, not yours. So that's the one way to do it. Number two is that we can go out to buy a used home or a new home to bring it into your park. And there are two different types, right? So new home versus old home. We we don't really like the new home, uh, sorry, the old home, because why would you want to get into the rental rental business? We're not in the rental business. We're in the mobile home park parking lot business. So mm -hmm. um, that opens up another can of worms. Uh, buying a new home, it gives you less risks because they tend to break down less, just like when you buy a single family home. Um, Older homes definitely have more issues. So those are, you know, pretty ma major cosmetic upgrades and infilling. And number three is that what you do immediately after you take over is you raise rents. Because mobile home park rents, you know, comparatively to apartment building rents, they're stagnating to the 70s level. It's ridiculous. So what you need to do is that you need to raise rent day one uh, if the previous owner have not raised rent uh, in the past uh, past six months. Uh, you'd raise rent uh, no more than $50. Again, case by case, look at the deal, look at your, you know, local economics, you know, what what are the other parks charging in the area? What are the other uh, housing options charging in the area? Obviously, if the rent level is already super high, you don't want to raise rent, but, you know, raise rent uh, if you can, if because mobile home park lot rents are pretty low. I would say it is catching up as more institutional investors are getting more interested in this lucrative space, but I would say there are still chances. There's still blue ocean out there that you can hunt for. Okay. Awesome. And I also see mobile home park listings sometimes where it will say, you know, we have X amount of pads, but there's the ability or opportunity to add Y amount more. Is that difficult to do? So you're, are you having to like subdivide anything or do anything permitting wise with the county or city or can you just slap some more pads down and call it a day no you can't do that and extremely <laughs> difficult to do that so that's why <laughs> the beauty yeah you're exactly head on right so uh right on uh, on the 
on, on the topic because, you know, people think about, you know, there is affordable housing prices. Why not just build more mobile, more mobile home parks, expand a lot, expand the park and give it more lots. The problem is that uh, due to zoning and permitting laws and regulations, uh, most municipalities want mobile home parks out of their city because they it's for tax reasons, right? It's, 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 they don't they they would rather have a commercial building, a dental office, where the mobile home park is than it is a mobile home park. But many of mobile home parks are grandfathered in, so they can't really remove you. So they were definitely not going to let you expand the park. So that's the beauty of the the industry is that the, 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 the there is so much meat on the bone, but the supply is limited. And demand is huge. The demand for affordable housing is ever growing, you know, especially in an economic crisis. Uh, and the supply is limited, right? Because they don't permit any new zoning for mobile home parks. You can't just add more mobile home parks with the demand keep going up, but the supply remains low and slower uh, and lower. And that, that creates a huge economic opportunity. And I would say even for the places where new developments are taking place, um, the speed of which is nowhere near the speed of demand growing. Gotcha. So, okay, we've talked about kind of where you want to focus on, the size that you that you guys personally focus on, uh, how to add value. So let's talk about financing a mobile home park. What does the financing look like? If you're not a fund, if you're just a regular old person who says, hey, I think I want to buy this mobile home park, how do you do that? Well, definitely try to make solid financing offers. A lot of sellers, they don't advertise it as seller financing available, but definitely make offers anyways, because the best deals that we found um, through seller financing is when they don't advertise it as seller financing. They may say no to you at first, but you just have to continue, have the courage and the persistence to make the seller financing offer uh, to make it work. Because um, because the, the issue here is, especially in the niche where in the small to medium level mobile home parks, a lot of big instit institutional banks wouldn't want to issue a loan to it because, you know, think about it. If it is $500,000 mobile home park, they would rather issue a loan to a single family home that's $500,000 than a, a, a kind of a little bit higher risk mobile home parks. So because of that, sellers are incentivized in order to get things sold and brokers too, incentivized by the same thing in order to get their home uh, property sold, they want to offer seller financing. Now, one thing that we've learned is that the best properties don't usually advertise seller financing. If they say, put on their forehead and say, seller financing available, usually mean there's something wrong with the deal. So you got to <laughs> So, but I would say the first step is definitely try to make lots of seller financing offers. And if seller financing just doesn't work with the seller, try to make a hash offer cash offer at a significantly uh, discount price. Negotiate, negotiate hard, right? Negotiate uh, as as if this is the last deal you got, but it's not, just negotiate really hard. And third option, you can try to find a local bank who would look at mobile home parks. And there are plenty of banks out there today who are more open to mobile home parks. And the last deal we sold, we sold it for $495,000 and our sold seller, sorry, our buyer totally financed through a local, I think it was a credit union or, or bank. So. It's it's very much common, but I would say the best way to deal with it to bypass the red tape, the by, bypass the complexity of a bank and a prolonged uh, closing is to do cash deals at a significant uh, discount or a leverage deal with uh, attractive terms with the owner. All right, makes sense. So, would you say that owner financing is more commonly acceptable in the mobile home park world than like in the single family world? 
Absolutely. Yes. 100%. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Because in the single family, people are like, um, no, thank you. Give me my money. And I don't want to talk to you yeah. ever again in my life. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. That's not the scene in mobile home park. It's changing, oh. but I would say there's still opportunities. Okay. Awesome. Uh, what else, what else do you think a new mobile home park investor would need to know? Um, we've gone over financing value add. Um, oh, I, I have one. So I know I don't own any mobile home parks, but I do own apartment buildings. And if you come in and have like a new way of the way you want them to submit their rent, a lot of times that can get some pushback. It can take a while to get uh, for them to really adopt it. So is mobile home park the same way? Do our people like, do they want to just come up to the front office and, you know, give you an envelope or are they apt to doing like mobile pay and stuff like that? As far as pushbacks, um, nobody likes their rents being raised. I mean, that's just how it is. Uh, but you have to do yeah. it. The inflation goes up and, you know, you're in the business of making money. So you have to be thinking in terms of economics, not trying to be nice to the tenants, right? And another way you can do, do it. Oh, to add on to the value add, I'm sorry. Uh, one more thing is pushing back utilities. A lot of times parks don't have utilities directly built, especially water, not directly built to tenants. So you want to push it back or set meter. A push it on the, to the tenant. That's a huge value add. You might not even need to do the lot increase. We're actually do, doing some of those right now. So huge one. But anyway, so as far as property management, we do it in the house and uh, we we collect our rent. You know, they can send a check. They can do it electronically. We accept um, any kind of property property management uh, company would, would accept um, p- forms of payment. Uh, but yeah, so usually there's some p- uh, pushbacks. But here's the thing, though. You know, tenants, good tenants don't really leave after a $50 increase in their lot rent. Um, because if they're that e- economically strained, that $50 per month is going to push them over the edge. Think about it. Do you really want that person as a tenant in your park? So I, yeah. I would say if you're starting out and you want to, you know, raise rent, you're scared of pushbacks, I say do it because uh, that will actually be a pretty good filtering system. I've done it um, during COVID actually. Um, where there was eviction moratorium going on and tenants, maybe they have more ammunition against landowners. And it's in Illinois, out of all places, uh, a very much a tenant friendly state where I did it. I raised it by $100 per, 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 per rent and nobody moved out. Oh. So so you just have to be, you know, there's pushbacks. There are people who were very angry with me, but it's OK. You know, we're in the business to make money. We're not in the business to be best buddies with them. You know, if they were my best buddies, you know, I don't want to raise rents on them. That's okay. But that's not how it works. So that, that, yeah. that's what I say about that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so we're coming to the end of the time. So I've got three questions that we ask every single person who comes on the show, same time, every time. But before we do that, are there any other points that you want to make about mobile home park investing or uh, things that you think our listeners would benefit from hearing that we didn't cover? Right. So if you're interested in uh, in mobile home park investing and you like to do it passively, uh, definitely feel free to reach out to me. And uh, the best way to do it, maybe Ira would uh, uh, put in her show notes or say later you already had it on uh, planned. So uh, to go to our website at johnscreekcapital.com or email us directly at info at johnscreekcapital.com. All right. So first question, what advice would you give 20-year-old Charlotte? Don't worry too much. Go for it. 20s is a time to get experience and exposure and uh, it's a learning process. 
great advice. Next, what advice would you give to a new investor who's looking to get started today? Weird time in the real estate cycle history. Uh, what advice would you have for them who's looking newbie? Right. A newbie, I say understand that real estate or any business is any business is a team sport. So get that get the right team members on your team uh, because you, uh, one person cannot be good at everything. Uh, you have something that you're not good at. Outsource something that you're not good at to someone who's extremely talented at it. Then you can have a world-class operation. Also great advice. And last, this one's a little more fun. What is your favorite book that's impacted your mindset? It's called Zero to One by Peter Thiel. He is a Pay PayPal co-founder along with Elon Musk in the early years. And he has lots of good experience, uh, investments. So Peter Thiel, Zero to One, talks about startups, entrepreneurship, and how you need to sell as a category of one and how to turn a big profit instead of just a race to the bottom, diminishing profits. All right. Great recommendation. I don't think that one's been recommended before. All right. So you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to pick it up. I haven't read that one. Um, okay. So we've gone over where they can find you uh, at Johns Creek Capital. Anything else before we go? Any where they want to, maybe if our listeners want to follow you on socials, anything like that? Oh, yeah. Follow us on, on follow me on LinkedIn, get connected, uh, follow us on Instagram, everything, all the good social media. But more importantly, reach out to us. We want to talk to you even just for a short conversation about, you know, even for educational purposes about mobile home park, it's industry, or just have a chat, meeting people, definitely reach out to us at uh, info at jawscreekcapital.com. All right. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for coming on and we'll catch you later.